0: Welcome to the good, the bad, and the podcast, the show where we take a given movie genre and we explore those good titles that are so good that make you psycho, those bad titles that are like a kick in the rear window, and those ugly movies that are so bizarre they leave you feeling like you have vertigo. Hey guys, I'm Mark.
1: Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles.
0: And today we are exploring Alfred Hitchcock,
1: Hitchcock.
2: movies. Woo! Yeah! Yes. Finally!
1: Finally. It's been a while. You guys, uh what did you guys told me this last year sometime and then we did a uh it's october i think and then we ended up doing um a uh a christmas horror special so mm-hmm. uh yeah so it's been a little while been a little while
3: better late than never though we're finally getting around to it i can't believe i can't believe we've been doing this this is our fifth year doing this and we've never done hitchcock that boggles. I don't know. I don't That's even know how that cool. happened.
1: Well, and like it was one of those ones. Remember, I chose it off your list. You guys gave me the list mm-hmm. and then, you know, one of them was going to be one I wasn't going to like. And then I chose that one. You're like, oh, it's yeah. we haven't done this. So like, here we go. Um, by the way, the, the one up here, Mark, actually, that was a Christmas present. That reminds me how we actually yeah. met, Mark. I don't know if you remember.
0: <laughs> That's right. It was, a, it was like a Christmas Switch scenario where yeah. uh, we both looked exactly the same. Yeah, and I was a I was a prince in Belgravia, and you we were just a, a small time baker, and we decided to switch it up because I was tired of being a prince.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, that was it. Was really cool. That was good. Um, uh, okay. And then I drew that drawing. Yeah, yeah. What I, a
3: storied past you have. It was. Oh, we've okay. done a lot. We
1: were. We've been a lot in our past lives. Um, so, uh, all right. So then, uh, I was going to say that we probably need to talk about Hitchcock a little bit. Um, Nah. nah, okay, never mind, then I'll just pet on that. <laughs> no, but he he's one of the most, uh, you know, well-known directors of all time. He, in a Hitchcock film, people know what that was, people, you know, he was uh, the, a marketing genius, if you watch, you know, we did that one over Psycho a while back, and, like, he walks through the Psycho house and talking about it. Very cool personality, very much associated with his films. You can't separate them out, and He was ahead of his time in a lot of ways. Um, And one of the things we're going to talk about is... Kind of like when we did Joan Crawford. We talked about, uh, you know, how that movie was made about her. And it was flattering. And there's a lot of stuff that came out. And we're trying to separate that out from the artist. Um, There's been stuff about Hitchcock that's less than flattering. Especially from um, Tippi Hedren. Uh, She, you know, especially lately, she's talked about how hard he was on her... During the making of The Birds. And then Marnie... Um, I don't think anyone's outright accused him of, like, sexual assault or anything like that. Uh, But she acted like he was really hard on her. And he definitely, he had interesting perspectives on stuff. There was definitely the Hitchcock woman, the blonde. And in in some of his movies, you could kind of almost feel him working through his emotions. Um, Especially in Vertigo. Uh, (laughs) Vertigo is very much, like it's all about dressing up a woman to look a certain part a certain way and that and that character is very much like Hitchcock would have been you know the look the blonde hair the way she spoke so he definitely had uh his interesting qualities like that um we're not really going to talk about that too much um I will get into some of that probably a little bit especially when we talk about Marnie um but uh I think enough of that. Probably, you know, we probably won't even get too much because, like I said, I want to celebrate this man. Um, he's is a, a great director. Um, I was also going to say though, he was nominated five times for an Oscar, Best Director, never won. Um, but they did give him an honorary award, and I have a little clip that I wanted to show real quick from it because it makes me laugh. Um, so real quick, here we go. The familiar figure of Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> It. he literally just walks up to the stage and says thank you and that's it and and, and you know that's his only uh that's his only oscar moment really um the, the man that's made some of the greatest bunch of pictures of all time and that's it that's his type of humor um a very quirky well sense and of I, humor. I had
0: seen this a while back and at some special i was watching about hitchcock and they they were saying that it was because the, the guess was that he was kind of offended that he never got it and and he deserved more than that, and so this was just kind of a snub.
1: Right. And it works. It's. it's I think it's really funny. Uh, <laughs> it cracks me up for sure. All right. So um, let's uh, dive right in. Uh, uh, let's see. So the first one, if we're doing it chronologically, the first one would be Champagne um, from 1928. And... Um, I do want to say that Hitchcock was born um, on a Friday the 13th in 1899, so he's August 13th, 1899, and so when he was coming up, he's in his 20s, he was making a lot of silent films, uh, especially in his, his home country of England, so he has a lot of English silent films, the most famous of which is probably The Lodger, um, which is um, about Jack the Ripper. And I forgot
3: that was a Hitchcock one.
1: Yeah, and it's really cool because it was a silent film, and so he wanted to show like someone walking around upstairs, and it's like how do you, how do you show a sound? So what he did is he he made transparent ceiling so that you could you could see the footsteps from below, and he had a swinging like lamp thing that could shake, so you could visually see this person walking around, um, in a silent film, uh. and that was kind of um, how he got i won't know it wasn't his first film but it was i guess how he got more famous um eventually he came to the united States, the u.s and he uh was making obviously talking films by that point but there's a whole period of like silent films before he really got famous and a whole period of british films and then it was mostly american um so champagne is um it's a silent film but i can't remember if it was an american or british made one um but um, let me read you the the synopsis, and then we'll do a trailer. So, like I said, it's from one thousand, nine hundred and twenty-eight, um, and it's about a spoiled heiress. Def- okay, a spoiled heiress defies her father by running off to marry her lover. However, daddy has a few tricks up his sleeve. Um, so here is the trailer for Champagne. It's actually not a trailer so much as a very short clip, but it's got a really cool. Um, it's a really cool shot, so I like it.
0: I think this movie predated trailers.
1: Okay, so that's it. (laughs) Pretty short. What do you guys think this is on my list? Do you think it's my good, bad, or ugly?
3: I think, I believe this is going to be your ugly.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I was going to say it was your bad and that uh, that Marnie was your was your bad. But I'm not I won't be surprised if it's the opposite of Kelly's right. So
1: neither one of you think it's my good film? No, no.
3: (laughs) If it is, we're going to have to really really have a conversation, Charles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Dramatic,
0: dramatic. It wasn't dramatic.
1: (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, I do own this movie. Does that change your mind? No. No, I'm
3: sticking with it.
1: All right. It is actually my bad. All uh, right. All right. So, really? Yeah, um I really God. don't like this movie at all. Uh and and it kind of there's going to be a theme tonight, you know, about the way women are portrayed in a Hitchcock movie. Um in this one, the men are very all of the men are very condescending to her. I mean, the whole premise is that her father tricks her, makes her think she's they're not rich anymore. He lies to her, and because he doesn't want her to marry the guy she loves, and even the guy she loves is kind of a jerk to her. Um, what? What's up, Kelly?
3: No, I, I just it's just funny to me because I I agree with you. If I were ranking like my personal bad, good, bad, and ugly on this, this would be my bad. Marnie would be ugly. And Rear Window would be good, but I was positive that you have you seen Marty? I was so sure, like knowing you that you were going to pick Marty. Your I best. have
1: seen Marty. That's, okay. There's a reason I picked it. Um, All right, okay. All as right. my good or ugly, um, so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just I, like I said, I, I didn't. The, the main character is annoying to me for one. Um, the whole thing of her yeah. crashing. Now, there are some really cool shots. The shot that we just showed through the champagne glass is really neat. Um, it is. It's even intriguing that she crashes and comes out. And I was like, all right. But again, all of the men in this are annoying. And then Correct. they're really telling her what to do, pushing her around. It's very clear she has no authority. Um, and that just irks me. Like... You know, one of the things, too, is I was trying to I was going through a lot of Hitchcock's movies trying to find a bad one and I would get to one and it would be like, well, this isn't that bad. This is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, like I watched uh, Waltz is from Vienna, which I'll, if you look through the list a lot, because because when you're doing things like this, sometimes, you know, we haven't seen all of the movies. He made over 50 movies. I haven't seen them all. Um, so you usually go online. You just see what the critics say, what people say. And Waltz is from Vienna came up almost every time. And I watched it, and it actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> so I'm mean, like, I can't do that one. Uh, but then uh, Champagne also came up a lot. So did Frenzy, but I like Frenzy. Um, but Champagne, I just—it's only a little over an hour, and it is a chore to watch. I—it I, bored me. It's so boring. There's not other than those few cool shots that occur at the beginning. There's not really any classic Hitchcock stuff, right?
0: Um,
1: so. I don't know. I just I just didn't like it that much. Out of all well, of them, Kelly,
0: can I can I ask? I was talking with Charles about the version I watched, and the the version I found on Amazon streaming did not have any sound whatsoever. I, it didn't <laughs> have music or anything. Is that true for you, or did you have one with music?
3: Yes. Uh, in fact, I mentioned the same thing to Charles earlier. I mine was I did Amazon Prime as well. No sound, and it it really was jarring to me because I like usually on even silent films you'll get that orchestral backing track right. or. or um, you know some kind of grainy film noise or some kind of something but it was just pure silence and it was yeah. it, it made it really hard to watch for me well,
1: yeah right. we, we talked about that earlier yeah and, and so the version i watched on dvd has sound it has music so i do wonder if that would have changed uh, your opinion do either one of you like this movie no, no. The right.
0: the problem I had was I, you know I, I found some of the problems you did, Charles with the way the men were treating the women, but Benny Balfour this is is really bizarre and kind of awkward she'll she'll suddenly switch emotions from like happy to to suddenly very distraught and sad mm-hmm. and or, or then she would like be sad and shocked and then start dancing really awkwardly like <laughs> yeah. around the men and laughing, yeah laughing in a way that nobody has ever laughed before until this movie it was it was kind of odd to watch although i did like some of the really cool scenes with the the practical effects of the like the moving ship too. a, a couple yeah. of times when they're getting her like there's a guy on the bow of the ship and it's like rocking up and down and then as the boat sways you could tell them in the the like the servers were swaying with the with the camera it was kind of cool
1: yeah. Yeah. No, and, and but, like I said, there's some there's some little Hitchcock touches, but overall, like it did not feel like a Hitchcock film as I know it, anyway. No. And for uh, a silent film, I felt
0: like it was missing at least half of the the dialogue cards. That yes. You had. Thank There were like almost you. no, yeah, there are almost no words.
1: Yeah, and, that's true, too. Got, the version I had the same way. I was kind of wondering about that.
0: Yeah, and I didn't get, I didn't understand what was happening half the time. I, I never got that her father made his money with champagne, hence the title. Until I looked up a Wikipedia, you know, just the summary of it on Wikipedia, just to find out what actually happened in the movie.
1: <laughs> well, you I know, agree. it's great. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it just felt like there was one, you know, one sentence title card every half hour or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was more frequent than that, but it was like I, I did, I definitely felt like I was missing information. And I, I don't know. Like, I just, I just love dialogue in movies. Dialogue is one of my favorite parts of any movie. And so for me, like, silent films aren't. I'm not the biggest silent film person to begin with, but when they're like this and you just have no clue and I mean, all of it is context clues. I just find it really hard to, to stay engaged in it.
1: Well, and I was going to say on, on a side note though, like the version I watched, so like I watched a little bit of the Amazon one. I think I watched like a preview or something and it had a really nice transfer, decent transfer. Anyway, the version I watched was on DVD and it was compressed and, it, it was really blurry and bad so like I, I i almost wonder if there's a way to combine our two versions we saw because i feel like you saw a clearer version a nicer picture mm-hmm. and i yeah, saw a one uh with bat with good audio at least you know had music um so anyway by the way uh speaking of music uh it's what's his name is it herman bernard herman the the one that usually does uh, hitchcock's movies he did the score for psycho um I don't think he did the. That music. Right. I don't think he did the music on any of these three films that I they picked, um, huh. which is unusual because he did almost all of them. Um, one of them he had a falling out. And I can't remember which. It may have been. It was either Marnie or Torn Curtain. But so anyway, a little side mm-hmm. note.
0: Interesting.
1: All right, so you guys yeah, ready? To, you, okay.
0: Well, I was going to mention the the couple. You said that he, the boyfriend, wasn't that good. I think that was my problem too. Like, there's nobody to root for in this movie. There's she was God. She was just kind of almost dumb and pouty the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of a horrible boyfriend, and the father was horrible. So, like, there's nobody heroic here in a protagonist kind of way.
1: I agree. I agree.
3: And it was very confusing. Like wh- the the in the in the um, the credits, the boyfriend is just called the boy, and then that yeah. mustachioed weirdo was called <laughs> the man. But it took me so long to figure out yeah. who that guy could possibly be. Like every time he would loom on screen, like you know, not <laughs> twirling his mustache, but he might as well have been twirling his mustache. Cause he was so just bad. like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you expect, he's like an old timey railway conductor or something, but he like, who, who, it, I just kept as, the whole first half hour of the movie, I was like, who is this guy? And, and you,
2: I, Why
0: is he leering at this? Yes,
3: throat? is, does she know him? Is he her father's business partner? Who's to say? But yeah, very weird
1: yes it was and but again it, even that it didn't keep my attention i was really bored so me too Agreed. yeah all right you guys ready to move on to the next one
3: yes rear good window. bad pick charles
1: it is going to be rear window um yeah. and so this is from 1954 um and Mr. your ugly it's <laughs> this is my good um, oh, now, those of you that, especially you, Kelly, you were around when we made our top ten movies of all time list. And this was on my top ten, so that yeah. should have given oh, it really? away right there. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh. But uh, I do love this movie. Uh, I like it a lot. I had a really hard time picking it. It's hard to pick the top Hitchcock film. Yeah. Um Off the top of my head, in no particular order other than this one being my favorite, yeah, I would say, like, Vertigo, Psycho, North by Northwest strangers on a train and this one so those are probably my top uh notorious is up there too Notorious is really good they just came out with a new yes. uh is that your favorite
3: no but we've remember we we've so many times like you got to see notorious you got was this the first watching was this your first time to see it yes. when you were watching for yes. this podcast that's right
1: I, why well, I, I, yeah i'd seen clips of it but i'd never watched all the way through or watched it for this one which is interesting because i just um criterion just came out with a new version of it um oh really yeah like it came out last tuesday um i didn't get it i watched it before that but awesome. um they, they like they apparently if you guys don't know Criterion really goes out of their way they restore films go back to the original negatives clean the heck out of it do all kinds of special features so if you're a fan of that movie you should check it out because i hear it's amazing um and it is great and um yeah so that that had carrie grant in it which hitchcock liked as a leading man um Um, Rear Window has uh, James Stewart in it and Grace Kelly Um, Both of them he used a few times Um, And so here's the uh, Synopsis Uh, A wheelchair bound photographer spies On his neighbors from his apartment window And becomes convinced one of them has committed Murder All right. And then here is the Rear Window
2: clip This is the scene of the crime A crime of passion filmed in a way You have never seen before and as no one else would dare attempt but the screen's master of suspense, the producer-director who shocked the world with Psycho. This is the apartment of a man named Jeffries, a news photographer whose beat used to be The World. Right now, his world has shrunk down to the size of this window. He's been watching the people across the way. Nobody seems to pull their blinds during a hot spell like this. He knows a lot about them by now. Too much, perhaps. For instance, down there on the second floor, the woman pacing about. He calls her Miss Lonely Hearts. So lonely that even death seems like a friend. These are the newlyweds on a honeymoon no one will ever forget. He calls her Miss Hearing Aid, an artist of a very odd and strange art. The songwriter, who plays the same melody over and over again. A genius or insane. This is the traveling salesman and his invalid wife. Out of their arguments and nagging comes a weird kind of love. Miss Torso, the body beautiful. That is, viewed from a safe distance. Those are just a few of my neighbors. First I watched them just to kill time, but then I couldn't take my eyes off them, just as you won't be able to. And you won't be able to take your eyes off the glowing beauty of Grace Kelly, who shares the heart and curiosity of James Stewart in this story of a romance shadowed by the terror of a horrifying secret.
1: yeah um i don't understand why this trailer has the seat after psycho this is like must have been made after it or they re-released it or whatever um yeah because it came out before psycho um in fact so like i said this is with james stewart he also made vertigo um in 59 i believe and vertigo didn't do very well a lot of people didn't get it um and so um uh, vertigo is kind of ahead of its time way ahead of its time so that actually, like, led into when he wanted to make Psycho, which was a crazy subject. They didn't want to give him the money. One, because this Vertigo didn't do as well at the box office, and two, it was a really crazy, bizarre subject. And that's why, if you've seen the um, Anthony Hopkins movie where he plays Hitchcock, that's what it's about. And uh, and also, um, because of that, um, that's why they didn't... they didn't use, He didn't use uh, Jim Stewart after Vertigo anymore. Um, he didn't use him at all. I guess he thought he was, you know... Uh, just the, I don't know whatever it was, they never worked together again. um anyway, so uh, rear window shame um this is like I said it's it's one of my favorite movies. Um, part of it is there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things going on here. Um, each apartment scene, each window that he's watching is like its own little movie. It's its own little vignette and he describes them and he's talking about them and it it's really kind of fascinating to think. What, what Hitchcock had to do to set all that up. I mean, you've got, like I said, you've essentially got multiple movies going on and they're all entertaining and you care about all of them. Lonely Hearts, when she's, you know, committing suicide or thinking about committing suicide, the yeah. newlyweds. And you do it in such a subtle way. Like, you know, you're clearly showing the newlyweds, you know, making passionate newlywed love behind the curtain and you could just subtly do it. And it's, and a lot of that's the implication of things, especially, when he watches, uh, you know uh, what he thinks is the murderer um, happening, and it's very subtle. And they don't actually show anything. You show a knife. You don't show any blood. Um, it, Raymond Burr is just very menacing, um, you know. And that's the brilliance of it. It's the the less is more approach, especially in this movie, and especially using every every angle is from that apartment. When they want to go in for a closer shot, it's because he pulls out a you know binoculars or he pulls out a longer lens. There's no cheats to it. Um everything happens within this one room which is something that Hitchcock did a few times. Uh he did that with Rope, which I love Rope. Rope is great. Um you know, and then Lifeboat. There's there's a few that he'd like to do all in one location and it really ups the suspense. Especially in this case when you know, you know, he's in a wheelchair. He can't move. And uh that leads to the famous climax, you know, where he can't go anywhere and what's he going to do? Um but it's also interesting uh, because of the The voyeuristic nature of this film movies in general you are kind of a voyeur looking into these other people's lives that's just the that's just the role you take as an audience member um but in this movie in particular you are forced to become a peeping tom Mm -hmm. you were literally looking through his eyes and it's the you know the heterosexual male gaze so like when he's looking at you know, the woman, uh, the ballerina woman that's constantly dancing around in her underwear, bending over, that's, you were, as a viewer, you're forced to look at it through his eyes. And, and you know, you gotta think that's also probably something Hitchcock's working through, too, showing that. Um, you know, and, and some of that can be, I think it's a little gratuitous, but I also think it's kind of a brilliant commentary because you have the, the detective friend that comes by, Doyle, and he's watching her, too, and, you know... Jimmy Stewart asked him about, oh, how's your wife? It's like, there's there's some interesting things going on there. Because um, it's not really saying that it's healthy. Um They they kind of poke fun at him for being a peeping Tom a few times. Um But it's, you know, what would the average person do? I mean, I, I kind of feel like anybody would be out looking at the same stuff if they were in a wheelchair balance. So it's kind of interesting. But it's kind of interesting that, like I said, it's forcing you to be a certain kind of peeping Tom. Um this movie has been remade. I think Suburbia was kind of the same thing. Um, Christopher, yes. Reeve, Christopher Reeve made a, a, a remake of it, a television movie. And, and, it, and it's, it's definitely had its influence on the culture. Like, I, I think there's a lot of movies that kind of do it. Um, I also, as far as the Hitchcock woman, um, you have uh, Grace Kelly. Um, you know, another one, you, To Catch a Thief and all that. The blonde woman again the you know the male fantasy and in this movie it's really interesting because James Stewart doesn't want to get married he's very much against marriage and he thinks she can't you know quite hack it the the lifestyle he wants to live constantly puts her down especially towards the beginning that's another interesting thing too he's kind of a jerk in this movie he's not your typical you know aw shucks nice guy that he typically is and and it's interesting it's an interesting thing and You know when they're watching *Lonely Heart*, *Miss Lonely Hearts* woman. um, I keep saying *Miss Lonely Hearts Club*, (laughs) that's because of Beatles nerd. But they're watching *Lonely Hearts* and you know she gets she has a young lover over there and he's like oh kind of a big age difference, and I don't know if he's just oblivious to the age difference between himself and Grace Kelly, or if it just doesn't matter because he's an older guy and that's acceptable to have the younger woman. I wasn't sure if that was just a subtle thing Hitchcock was doing or if it was just a sign of the time. Because I looked up their ages, and there's at least a 20-year gap between the two. She was in her yeah. 20s, mid-20s. He's in his mid-40s. And I bet Miss Lonely Hearts, that was probably around the same age gap between her and her lover. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was an interesting commentary. Um, you know, but anyway, it's, it's kind of interesting that in this movie, by her putting herself in danger and her wanting to investigate him, being one of the only people that believes him, that there's a murder that happened... you know, her going across, it's a really interesting story dynamic. It's really, that engages me. Um, and especially when she goes over there and you can't help her because you are, you are basically might as well be in the wheelchair with James Stewart. You can't, you can't go out there and help her and you know, she's going to get caught. And then that moment where she gets the wife's ring and she holds it up and then, uh, Draymond Bird looks over and he's looking right at the camera, right at you, right at us. And that's just a great moment. Um, I loved all that stuff. It's also, you know, there's a lot of stuff that does surprise me. It surprises me they killed a dog. It surprises me the kind of subject matter they went down. It seems Mm. it's kind of crazy that for not really showing anything, it seems like you saw a lot. Yeah. So, Anyway, I've I've talked a ton about it. You guys take over. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, first of all, one of my greatest anxieties in movies is when somebody is in a place they're not supposed to be. When you're in somebody else's house and they could come back at any moment, like, that always creates suspense for me. I remember this movie being James Stewart alone a lot. And it's not, like, he's almost never alone. He's almost, it's either the detective's there, Grace Kelly's there helping him, and it's only when, you know, so I think that's just the tone that Hitchcock creates, even though there are all these people surrounding him, but there's still that that feeling of menace. Um, mm-hmm. And And going back to the way it's set up with him, with them watching The Neighbors, I think this movie kind of transcends genres because he brings a little bit of theater into it where where James Stewart is the audience looking out at these people but he's also a part of those people's lives and interacts with them regularly and so it's it's kind of a really cool thing he's done here to, in order to tell this story and I like you said Charles I love all those side stories as well I don't know Kelly
1: Well, it's kind of like a yeah. great chorus as well right when you say that right. the the three of them commenting on different things is kind of I don't know Seems almost Shakespearean in some ways to me, like the commentary that we're hearing. Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, there's just so many good things to love about this movie. Grace Kelly is amazing. I mean, of all the, of all the Hitchcock movies, of all the Hitchcock blondes, like she's just far and away the best in this movie. And in, a, in I mean, she's amazing in Dial in for Murder. She's amazing in To Catch a Thief. Um, she just has this. I don't even know, a certain charm about her. And my only qualm with the movie is the fact that Jimmy Stewart is so, you know, oh, oh, Grace, oh, like in the the beginning of the movie, like, you're not going to tell me. And I'm not going to accept that Foxy Grace Kelly as a 25-year-old woman is going to be literally, not literally, but almost literally throwing herself at you, Jimmy Stewart, with your you know, shiny silver hair. like you're you're gonna be into that. i you just are like with all of her effortless fashion, and she's so cool and like she sharp is. and witty. and um, she's almost
0: she's almost too perfect in this movie, I think. she's almost he, unrealistically perfect,
3: yeah. I, I would agree. And because of that, like, and you're he's still trying to act like he's not into her. and i I just I never really buy that. But how amazing is the scene? where she's like, he's sitting in the window and he's using his binoculars and she's trying to just, you know, kind of be like, hey, hey, you know, come back to the present here. And she like looms over him and like gives him that kiss. And it's just like, you're you just you're just watching it like this, like giddy with joy. Whoa.
1: Sorry, Whoa. <laughs> go ahead.
3: No, that's okay, that's okay. No, I just had such a powerful scene um, watching all of her charms manifest and, and even he starts to kind of crack a little bit, you know, and be like, okay, yeah, like you're pretty cool.
1: But, um, when she brings her her small compact suitcase over, because um, she tells, yes! cause he tells her you know they live out of one suitcase and and then I I love this scene I don't know why but it's like when she's pulling all the stuff out and she pulls the sexy lingerie and she's like preview of coming attractions or what it's yeah. like she's just so cool in this movie um she really she is. is and and again I I wondered if that's Hitchcock working through something um like. Is it is it what more than What do you mean he's...
0: by that, Charles? I'm kind of fascinated by what you think he was working through.
1: Well, I feel like so. So I feel like movies, in a lot of ways, for directors, it's they're it's a they're living vicariously through their characters they make, and the lens becomes their eye. And is it essentially like Hitchcock is putting himself in Jimmy Stewart's role? Like you know, I, I feel like he's trying to live through that. And what would it be like if this sexy blonde, perfect woman? You know, was all over me and wanted nothing—you know, nothing but me. You know, I feel like I feel like that's what he's kind of doing. It, it's, you know, Hitchcock has essentially put himself on screen. That's what yeah. I mean by working in- it out. It's like, you yeah. know, I, I I I feel like it's kind of a psychology for him in a way. It's a it's a therapy session, if you will. Like, a, it's a getting he gets to live out his fantasy, you know, by creating a character. How about that? Based on what we know. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, that that, kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, was he rough on his women? Did he... Because, like, even the Anthony Hopkins Hitchcock movie kind of made it seem like he was a voyeur, and that's where the idea for the psycho thing came. And I don't know if that's true, but if you're buying into all that, I definitely feel like he put himself into these movies, good or bad, good or bad. Um, Yeah. But I do think he kind of created his fantasy woman. So you're talking about it's a perfect woman, and I... That's by choice. I'm sure Hitchcock made it that way. Um, yeah, I think a, I liked a,
0: that she was overly perfect. I think it worked.
1: Made, yeah, well, and, and made a made a perfect woman that loved a non perfect man, kind of thing. You know, so
0: yeah. how well, even, great was the how great was her line about the the ballet girl juggling wolves? Yeah, doing the woman's hardest job juggling yeah. wolves. I'm like, that's yep. great. Yeah,
1: there.
3: Yeah. The, the, there's there's so many quotable moments in this movie, and and so many of them too. We haven't even talked about Thelma Ritter, but yeah. I love her.
1: She she's so hilarious. Well, in and if this you movie. if you you know the, the, you may not catch it the first time you watch it, but then it's like she kind of predicts the whole movie at the very beginning when she's talking to him. She tells him exactly like kind of roughly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's pretty brilliant.
3: And she, and even she comments on the perfectness of Grace Kelly's character. Uh, she what they're talking. She's giving him his um physical therapy massage and uh he's like oh no she's too raw, you know whatever and she she says yeah get out of here you perfect woman you know you're you're no good for me and so she got she's just this you're talking about it being like a greek chorus she is very much there in the background yes. commenting on every little thing and kind of drawing attention to all of the the foibles of his character and and just the silliness of him doing everything that he's doing really
1: Right. Uh, And that's and yes, and she's probably closer in age to uh, to him. So it's kind of interesting. He's he's got like this perfect woman Um, anyway. But, you know, what's kind of cool, too, though, that I didn't really think about till now is he uses a lot of her what she says to him at the beginning. He uses that against Grace Kelly, like when they're having their discussion later on. He's like throwing all this stuff that they had discussed earlier right back at her. Um, So that's kind of interesting. He's like twisting this logic um around to push her away um so that's kind of interesting um all right you look very confused mark or you look like you don't agree by by to that no me yeah
0: this is my thinking my thinking face often gets mistaken for like confounded or confused face well i just look like you're disagreeing so yeah go ahead no no i know i agree completely okay and uh i was gonna say too i like I, i like that seeing all of the neighbors and the vignettes it's like instant feedback on his own worries like getting back to him struggling with should he should he stay with grace kelly like as soon as they talk about married couples they see the newlyweds come in and are happy and then you see you know this lonely heart who's lonely and then you see this you know the actual main murder character who's who's murdering his wife it's like it's just great like i I just love that he's he's working through all these things and then he gets instant feedback on them. It's, it's like his subconscious. It's almost like a dream, like his subconscious showing him elements of his own personal psyche. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it, it, there's a lot to unravel with this movie. It really is. It's not as simple a premise as it first may sound. Um, yeah. All right. You guys ready to move on to Marnie? Sure. Sure. All right. So uh, Marnie is from 1964. Um, and... Here's the synopsis. Mark marries Marnie, although she is a habitual thief and has serious psychological problems, and he tries to help her confront and resolve them. And here is the trailer. (laughs) Does he?
4: How do you do? I'm Alfred Hitchcock and I would like to tell you about my latest motion picture, Marnie, which will be coming to this theater soon. Marnie is a very difficult picture to classify. It is not psycho, nor do we have a horde of birds flapping about and pecking at people willy-nilly. We do have two very interesting human specimens, a man and a woman. One might call Marnie a sex mystery. That is, if one used such words. But it is more than that. Perhaps the best way to tell you about the picture is to show you a few scenes. This is Mark coming down the stairs of his family home outside Philadelphia. He is a thoughtful man, dark and brooding. He is, in a sense, a hunter. And this is what he is hunting. Marnie, seeing her in her mother's modest house, one wonders how two such different people could cross paths. It was certainly not Marnie's idea. Marnie was going about her own business like any normal girl, happy, happy, happy. Suddenly into this colorful life comes Mark. At first he didn't know what to make of Marnie. She does seem a rather excitable type. What would account for this strange behavior? Has she just realized that she forgot her umbrella? The colors. Stop the colors. What colors? Marnie's trouble goes deeper than that. Far deeper. And this is the problem which Mark must probe. But first, something must be done to calm this girl. Our hero applies mouth-to-mouth resuscitation.
1: But that. This tra- By the, the way, sense this, sense way, sense this sense trailer is pretty awful. Sex um, uh, there's stuff we're going to be talking about, but they call it a... Uh, what do they call it? A sex mystery in the trailer?
0: I don't even know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what, basically what it is. <laughs> cool. Why won't this woman have sex with a man regularly? Yeah, (laughs) there must be something horribly wrong with her. (laughs) Investigation,
4: and this here is further proof that Marnie is a talking picture. You don't love me. I'm just something you've caught. You think I'm some kind of animal you've trapped?
2: That's right, you are. And I've caught something really wild this time, haven't I? I've tracked you and caught you, and by God, I'm going to keep you.
4: That should be quite enough. If you wish to hear more, you will have to buy a ticket. As for which one of them is the wild animal, there are times when I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> it shows the scene where he rips her clothes off.
3: Of course it does. Of and then, course. And then, Hitchcock,
1: and then Hitchcock is like, I'm, he says something like, I'm not sure what's going on in this scene. <laughs> like,
3: aren't you Alfred aren't you
4: it would appear that Mark has a single solution for all problems this is not so Mark is a complex man dark and forbidding he can also be kind and considerate and he is also a troubled man troubled because he cannot seem to unravel the mystery of the girl called Marnie
1: sex story it's a mystery a detective story a romance story of a what theme? else could you want a love story yes and more <laughs> these are all what's coming on the screen mark it's kind of amazing
3: a, sex story? a mystery yeah they're coming right now a detective story
1: a romance all right and we're back guys Alright, so... <laughs> we're back
3: now.
0: Let's, let's talk yeah. about some more
1: movies. <laughs> Mark, you gotta... Yeah, I was gonna say, we gotta do your... G- one, one thing Stewart. I
0: didn't say about, about James Stewart is, like, most of what i had known him for was Harvey and the the Christmas movie that I can never remember the title of, even though it's Oh, so it's so a wonderful life, life. Yeah, it's mm. a wonderful life. And so, I liked seeing him in the Rear Window, because he was... He really was kind of shining with his acting. But anyway, yeah. we're talking about Marnie now. Let's talk about Marnie.
1: Marnie. Well, so, Marnie. this is my ugly pick. And I, I was saying um, during that trailer, we were talking um, for this one. This was my easiest one to pick for ugly. It, it, it was the only one, for, as far as I'm concerned. I it was hard to pick a good one. It was hard to pick a bad one. But this one is ugly. <laughs>
0: but Marnie certainly is ugly. <laughs>
1: and and part of it is um, so there's a lot going on. I was reading things reviews about it, and you know they were saying it was kind of ahead of its time because it was trying to psychoanalyze someone and emotional support but i also feel like now it's it's outdated it's antiquated now because it's it's such rudimentary you know psychology um but the reason it's my ugly is because first of all i think it's a terrible film um (laughs) it's it's basically she's traumatized by a past event and um, she's compelled to steal now and move around and not want to sit down and she kind of hates men. And here comes Sean Connery and he knows she's stolen from him and he basically he blackmails her into marrying him. Correct. And then, which is odd in and of itself, and then on their honeymoon which he's paying all this crazy amounts of cash, he he, he rapes her. I mean it's 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. insane. <laughs>
0: although although technically at the time you wouldn't be able to legally call it that because they were married it wasn't yeah. uh, it wasn't illegal to rape your wife until the 1970s uh, but yeah like th- th- my reaction to this movie was very conflicted because at the same time that sean connery's character is saying all of these like horribly sexist things and forcing her into a marriage and blackmailing her and his reasoning is that you know if, I, if you don't marry me, some some worse guy's gonna come along and blackmail you into doing something worse than marrying me, and it's, yeah. it's crazy. But her response to him is like spot on. It's like spot on twenty nineteen feminist, you know, response <laughs> of what it should be. Of like, she throws it right back in his face. So I was I was kind of almost proud of this movie in that regard of of like her side of things. I don't know what y'all thought about that.
1: Well, that's kind of what I was saying. That's why it's my ugly because it's like on the one hand, he's doing all these crazy things, you know, the first time you even see him, he's like, oh, the brunette with the legs, and then it's like, later, but you, but he's doing it for good reasons, and it's like, that's kind of a right. conflict, because he's, he really does care about her, as presented in this movie, he cares about her a lot, and wants to help her, in ways that no other, no other men have ever done, but at the same time, he blackmails her, and he, and, and so, it, there's a good ethical question, like, if someone you know is really suffering, how far can you go to help them? where What does cross the line? I, I feel. I feel the rape <laughs> crossed the line, obviously. But Pro- probably rape is going to be
0: crossing the, the line. Blackmail, yeah.
1: but but even then, like, is it implied that? I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I need to rewatch the movie too, which I would rewatch this movie just to. But is it implied that she's never been with a man before?
3: I think that's implied. Yeah.
1: yeah. So. You you one could argue he's doing it for not necessarily to rape her or not necessarily out of lust, just to show her that it's all right with a man. I mean, there's there are some stuff you could unpack there too. It's still wrong and it's and so all of that but on top of that, this movie for many parts is just utterly ridiculous. Like the every time she sees the color red and I don't even like the effect. Yeah. they do. It was cool in rear window when they flash the red. Cause he's, you know, flashing the bulbs at the end. That was a neat effect. They do a similar thing here and, and it's just over the top and ridiculous. Yeah. And I didn't think her performance was good at all. Like I did not like her in this movie. I know Mark, you're saying her reactions were good, but I didn't like her performance. I thought it was, no, I, don't, the top. I don't
0: like her performance in this movie either. Okay. Okay.
1: But I actually liked Sean Connery's performance a lot. Um, and this is uh, 64. I think this was right around um, when Goldfinger was coming out. So Sean Connery's James Bond in his prime in this time. And uh, I, I thought he was fantastic in it. Despite doing these horrendous things, I actually liked his character. Um, I just didn't like anything about Marnie. And I didn't like the horse riding scene. And I that was really <laughs> cheesy and over the top. And I didn't like his sister. I didn't like any of the supporting characters, really. Um which, and and, and as you... that trailer calls it a sex, what did it say? It a sex story, a sex thriller. Yeah. The trailer is mystery. The trailer shows off all the like kissing scenes. Like the first time that um, she's also terrified of thunderstorms. And the first thunderstorm she encounters, Sean Connery basically like kisses her against her will, and like kind of just starts, you know, that's that was an, an offensive scene before the rape. But they show that in the trailer. And the trailer just makes it seem like a, a tender love moment between them, mm-hmm. and I just, uh, It's just over the top and ridiculous? Well,
0: yeah. The other thing that was that was interesting is the, the scene when they do first have sex and he's kind of forcing himself on her. Say kind of. I should just say he forces herself on her because she clearly doesn't want it, but the way that Hitchcock films it is it's clearly in her perspective. And it's this horrible trauma because Sean Connery is like looming over the camera yes. very darkly. Yes. And it's like that. That's what I liked about this film is that it's not romanticizing Sean Connery's actions. It's, it's yeah. really putting us in her point of view and, and, and showing both sides of it. So, it's, which is it's kind of, it, back kind of,
1: it. it that comes back around to the point I was talking about earlier where Hitchcock's like putting himself in his movies and, um, He's not really doing that as much in this one, I would say, because he's clearly, I don't think he's wanting us to, I I don't think he's living through the Sean Connery character. He is, as you say, the audience, the camera is more on Marnie's character. So it's kind of an interesting thing that he's trying to do with it, I I think, Um, uh, that, because she, she, she made the, she made the birds and then this movie, this was his next movie after the birds. And she never made another movie with him again. And, like I said, recently she's talked about how hard he was on her um, as a director. You know, in The Birds, he would release actual birds, supposedly, and, like, really traumatized her. And in this movie, kind of the same thing. So, on the one hand, you could say, look what he made her do. He had Sean Connery strip her of her clothes, and then he, she gets raped, and she's kind of traumatized in it. And But on the other hand, as you say, Mark, they... The camera is is a sympathetic viewpoint. It's her perspective, and I don't know. It, it is a very interesting mix. If, if Vertigo was was Hitchcock totally putting himself out there, you know, kind of bearing his soul to the camera, what he likes in women, and all that. This is more uh, not quite the same. He's shielding a lot of it and trying out new perspectives. I would say. So. Um, but, uh, what were you gonna say? I feel like I cut you off somewhere on there, Mark. No, no, okay. that's good.
0: Uh, uh, the one thing I was gonna say in addition was that I hate the soft lens in any of these old movies <laughs> where they keep using a soft lens on women and not on men. It just bothers me. I don't know.
1: There's one, there is one scene I believe where they do show it's like a soft lens on Sean Connery. Um, and it was kind of interesting.
0: Oh, that's uh, okay with me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just gonna, no no no, 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 no. I was no, I was saying it was interesting that it was back and forth soft. Um, but um yeah and then the other thing that actually reminds me another technical thing that hitchcock loved he loves rear projection stuff and so like there are so many scenes where it's like they're clearly rear projection um that's that's probably one of the reasons i actually really like rear window because it's they built a set for it um and in a studio that they could do it and they didn't have to do like a lot of rear projection stuff um but like yeah anyway cool um well so those are my uh those are my picks um you know th- i feel like if you guys out there if you don't know hitchcock stuff you really need to watch it um there's a ton of them uh kelly was going down the list earlier just looking and seeing everything and there's just so many um do you have a favorite mark no i really haven't
0: seen many i, I saw these three and i've seen psycho and birds i think that no i've, I've also seen Dial in uh, but it's been a long time since I've seen The Birds. So, I mean, I would have to go with Psycho just
1: based on the ones I remember well. Psycho's great. Um, Psycho's probably his most famous, I would say. Yeah.
3: The Birds is great, too, though. I mean, it... I like... It's funny because I feel like Tippi Hedren is so... bad in this. Like, her acting is is, is not good. But it is in The Birds. Like, she's yes. she's
1: good. I meant to say I that I earlier. I don't understand that. That's the thing. I was actually meant to talk about that. Like... Just because I don't like her acting in this movie, I loved it in The Birds. She was very good. She was a different person in that movie. Yeah. And again, they were back to back. So.
3: And she wore the same. She had the same wardrobe for both.
1: Right. I, well, I know. That. Well, I, she
3: like wore the same lime green. Uh, <laughs> that's a Hitchcock suit. thing got, too. Got, got my, my tippyheadred duds on here, but
1: that's a Hitchcock um, woman thing. Like I think they yeah. always. He likes them in green yeah. and blonde. So. Because
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> the same
1: thing in Vertigo. So. It's
3: <laughs> true. Well, they they did rock it, but. I, yeah, I just didn't quite get that because she had so many dramatic, poignant scenes in The Birds, and it's so it's not like she can't do dramatic, poignant acting because she she did like she she was terrified in The Birds. I mean, her hair was all askew, yeah. and she had like she was all cut up and had you know tears streaming down. But then anytime anything like the the recounting of the trauma when she finally remembers at the end of Marnie, like what was that? I mean, she she was
1: it's so it was, bad. It's so it was bad. so bad. That, that whole ending yeah, wonder if it was, was terrible.
3: I wonder
0: if it was the the character having suppressed it, and and that made for some kind of cardboardy acting right because she's trying to act like she's suppressing something but it is yeah. and just not being
1: well and, a and, dynamic and it may be that in uh, in birds he was Hitchcock maybe did terrify her more you know maybe he got genuine performance yeah. out of it so in yeah. this one it's not like he can say oh well you, you had this trauma your mom was raped in front of you when you killed someone I don't know I don't know you can't really method act through that Spoiler. One. yeah I'm sorry guys <laughs> and Bruce Dern is a sailor
3: I, I of course he was. I couldn't get over that. that was really funny. He's always what
1: else
0: has he been in? I don't know him.
3: Uh, he's in a lot of westerns. He's in a lot of stuff he was most recently he
1: was in the um the hateful eight um and he was in uh, oh really yeah, and he's in Nebraska. Nebraska's great if you haven't seen that one a recent movie. he was nominated for what Best did he actor for, hateful
0: eight?
1: he was the uh the old general um that was sitting there playing chess and he had to like pretend you know when they came through, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's the one that Samuel L. Jackson was really messing with and talking about his son and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, yeah, he's a really great actor. He, he was also in a uh, family plot, which family plot was Hitchcock's last movie. Um, a lot of people say that's a bad film and it's not, it's not great, but it's, it's pretty good. Um, see so he, he made frenzy and then he made uh family plot. So he made one more British film and then he made his last movie. It was an American film. And, uh, The last shot of family plot is the main character, the woman winking at the camera. So that's kind of the last moment in a Hitchcock film ever, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. So. um, Mm -hmm. All right. Well, um, you guys got anything else you want to say about Hitchcock? I don't think so.
3: No, just just kind of like we were saying with Billy Wilder, I wish I wish this episode allowed us to I wish our format allowed us to discuss like a little bit more because there are so, so many good ones. It's a shame. Like I mean, We kind of mentioned some in passing, but,
0: yeah. You know. Maybe Maybe we should do the good, the good, the good, the bad, of the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah.
0: Three good movies. <laughs> it will
1: be three <laughs> hours long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Two All days right. later.
1: So uh, I think it's uh, your pick next time, Mark, and we're not picking for you. So That's what's right. your genre going to be?
0: Mine. All right. My genre shall be, as an English teacher and English major and writer, we are going to be watching good, bad, and ugly movies based on well-regarded fiction.
3: Ooh. Interesting. Okay.
0: Kind of classic books, but one of them is not really a classic. So my picks are The Time Machine from 2002, uh, which which H.G. Wells' grandson directed, Uh, Beowulf, Zemeckis' Beowulf, 2007, and The Road, 2009, Cormac McCarthy's uh, story. So those are my picks. I I almost picked... uh, I don't know if you should say for the podcast, but I almost picked, uh, what's the, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn.
1: Oh, Gone with, Go the, with
3: wind.
0: the wind. Yeah. I almost picked on with the wind, but I don't know that that was like, re- like, I think the book came out the same year. And so it was more of like a popular book, popular fiction. So I wanted to do like meaty books and that are like, that are classic and well, well read. So anyway,
1: so those are my picks. pretty
3: meaty. <laughs> it clocks yeah. in at like a thousand and twenty four pages. Well, or that's true. Like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. That'll, okay. I'm, you yeah. know. And the time machine. All right. Yeah,
3: that's pretty good.
1: (laughs) All right. I like it. All right. Well, um, I I just I think we should thank our live audience. Then this is we had a pretty successful live show. I think.
0: Yeah. Thank you, guys. We want to do some shout outs, Laura. Thanks for watching. Who else? uh, Uh, Well, my sister's watching
1: watching, actually, so that's really cool. Um, Yeah, Chandler, Sarah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Crystal. Um, and share it because it'll be up. It's going to be posted on Facebook, and we'll put it on YouTube. So definitely share it. Oh, and i don't know if you guys saw my shirt it's, it's hitchcock oh, i didn't
0: realize it was his profile yeah, yeah profile with all like
1: movies, the movies so i thought i'd wear that and um, i've
0: got my hat that could be something sean connery might wear
1: oh do you gotta do sean connery yeah he, he, he gotta... sean
0: connery and this is my hat marnie i'm gonna i'm gonna turn you into a standing girl <laughs> sorry Oh, yeah. Let's not
3: shock on that. We we guys we've got a question we've got a question for oh, our, uh, our live viewers here. We got a uh, quick question. If you've never seen a Hitchcock movie, which one would you say is a must-see? Which one would you guys
1: pick? Uh well, I Rear Window or Psycho for sure. Um
0: I think Rear Window because Psycho is so ubiquitous in pop culture. I think you'd get more out of watching The Rear Window.
1: And then uh maybe Notorious would be really good notorious is really good also mm-hmm. north by northwest if you just want a cool like hey, hey
0: they said one Charles. okay they okay
1: said one. i would say it's rear hard window. to just pick it, one. i would say it Rear window really but hard. it depends like because north by northwest is just a cool action movie um it's it's so i don't know it depends on if you're wanting a horror film a thriller or an action movie let's put it that way there you go yeah but i would say yeah. that rear window is like obviously it's my favorite and it's one of the coolest ones so
3: yeah, I would second that. I would say Rear Window or Notorious for me, personally.
1: Yeah. Good picks, Charles. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, you know, it's funny because it was kind of a uh, – it was an, almost an overwhelming pick. That's why I probably would have never picked it for myself. So you guys, when I picked it, it's like, ah, okay, now I got to do it. It's awesome. So I'm glad we did. Fresh it's on. Of, it's, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Um, so, cool. All right, guys. So you want to do the outro, Mark? We can, we're doing it live, yep, so you, you, you got to get it right. right. <laughs> What's that? you got to get it right. We, You know, I usually edit that part out where we screw it up. We usually take about two or three times to do our outro, and I just screwed this one up, so take two. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can check us out at itsjustawesome.com or on iTunes at GoodBadPodcast, all one word. That's on iTunes and Twitter.
1: Okay.
3: All right, guys. All right. Have
1: Thanks a good so one, much. guys.
0: See you later. Bye.
3: Thanks, guys.